Would you turn with me, please, to Exodus 27, Genesis, Exodus, one of the five books of Moses or the Torah. We've been looking at the different pieces of furniture in the tabernacle as pictures of the Lord Jesus. Last week we considered the door. There was one door into the tabernacle. We believe that that certainly has reference to the Savior. In a different image, Jesus said that He was the door. A metaphor, a figure of speech. The subject is Jesus and salvation. The image is the door. And the point of similarity is that Jesus is the way into salvation, the way into eternal life. The first piece of furniture that meets the eye if you, when you went through the door of the tabernacle was this piece that's found in Exodus 27. Read the first eight verses. Thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same and thou shalt overlay it with brass or bronze. And thou shalt make his pans to receive the ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fire pans and all the vessels thereof shall thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make, it, make for it a grate of network of brass. And upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings in the four corners thereof. And thou shalt put it under the compass, the circle of the altar beneath, that the, the net may be even to, in the midst, to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves, sticks for the altar, staves of shatim wood and overlay them with brass and the staves shall be put into the rings and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar to bear it. So they'll carry this piece of furniture on their shoulders. Hollow with boards shalt thou make it as it was showed thee in the mount so shall they make it. And again, we've been handing out diagrams of the uh, tabernacle and pictures of the priests, their garments, and we find this next uh, figure, this type of the Lord Jesus called the brazen altar. You see it on the right, an enlarged picture of the brazen altar, and you see it as the first piece of furniture beyond the gate into the courtyard of the tabernacle there in the very center of the diagram. Jesus said that He's the door. So the door is a picture of Christ. Looked at, for instance, the door into the ark. God shut the door after Noah and his family were inside. And those that were inside the ark were safe. And uh, 
Noah and his family were safe inside Christ. That is the picture. In Christ, you're, you're a believer. You're safe. Outside of Christ, you're in danger. As those people during the flood, if they were outside the ark, they did not survive. Must have been a horrible picture to see people trying to run for the highest places in the area, only to be overcome by the water that continued to increase until it went high over the highest mountains. And I wonder if even some of those people that died in the, in the flood were helping Noah build the ark. That would certainly be very surreal, wouldn't it? I'm sure there were some very kind people that were living in the area. Not everybody probably mocked him. There may have been some people that felt sorry for him and said, I will help you. We know some of the other patriarchs that were related to Noah were helping because they were some of them were still alive for the hundred years that the ark was built. But the door is is a, is a is a reference to the Lord Jesus. He is the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He Jesus mentions there in the New Testament. So Christ is the door. But this particular piece of furniture is the altar, the, uh, the brazen altar. And if I may, this thought this morning is Christ is our altar. He is the door, but He's, he's the altar. He's the labor. He is the, uh, the bread. He is the light. He is represented by the altar of burnt or of of incense. He's the mediator between God and man. And He is God who is in the holiest place, the most holy place. He, these are all pictures of the Savior. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, "...and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us." Literally, John uses the word tabernacle in a verb form in John 1, 14. So John is telling us by that very text that the tabernacle and its, its furniture, its priesthood, its offerings, everything about the tabernacle was a picture of God becoming man and dwelling in the midst of His people. And so, I know that it, it, there are people that have books about the, the colors that are in all the fabrics and, and uh, the different skins and the different uh, configurations of, of the uh, furniture and Many, much of that is over my head to tell you the truth. I'm just, I'm just being basic and just taking the pieces of furniture and, and uh, seeing how they, they relate to the Lord Jesus. Now you read in our reading of, in Hebrews chapter 13, you read verse 10 where it says, We have an altar. And so the Bible indicates that that altar in the context is the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it means we have a we have the food of the altar, but the point is it says we have an altar. And it is saying here that the altar is a picture of Jesus. But all of these pieces of furniture indicate that salvation is exclusively through Jesus Christ. There's no other way in which a person can get to God but through the door of Christ. Jesus said if any man climbs up another way, he's a thief and a robber. And again, can you imagine people trying to climb over those walls of the tabernacle? 
if it happened, what do you think would have been would have occurred? No doubt they had temple police or tabernacle police. They would have certainly arrested the person and perhaps executed them uh, as they took them outside the gate and outside where the where the uh, bodies of those beasts were burned. It's a picture of hell. But no doubt they wouldn't have survived if it happened. But Jesus is exclusively the way to salvation. And that is not popular today. That's one thing that people hate. You mean to tell me there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ? People like variety. And variety is good. You know, it's variety of food, variety of different drinks that are appropriate, variety of butterflies, variety of birds. But as far as salvation is concerned, the Bible teaches there's no variety. Even though you say, well, there are many roads to Rome. Well, what does that mean? There are many roads to Buffalo. But there's only one road to heaven. And that's something that people cannot accept. And yet, this is what the Bible teaches. Jesus Himself said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Notice, the way. There's an article there. He didn't say, I am a way. You can find other ways, but I am a way. He didn't say that. He said, I am the way, truth, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. And in John's Gospel, he tells us that I am the door. Again, the only door. I am the way. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. He's saying I'm exclusively the way to salvation in all of these different pictures of Jesus. And as Jesus gives us pictures in John's Gospel, so we have pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. Interestingly, that when you went in that door, you were met immediately by the brazen altar. You, you did not see the laver when you first went in. Notice on the diagram, you see the, the altar meets you immediately when you go into the courtyard. The way of cleansing, the laver, the bath behind it, can only be reached after you've come to the altar. You see, no one can be cleansed of their sin except through the death of Jesus Christ. That's the essential thought of the brazen altar. The altar is the first piece of furniture that meets the eye of the worshiper. God is saying, you cannot come to me. And God is, the, is, is in the Holy of Holies. The further you get going uh, west, is you're getting closer and closer to the Lord. But you cannot get any closer until you reach that. You've got to come with an offering. You've got to come with a with a sacrifice. You've got to come with 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 a an animal or a bird that that is and has been inspected and and is and is uh, is without spot. Again, picturing Jesus, and you've got to kill that animal, kill that bird. And offered on the set, there's no way you can get to that laver, that bath, until you've been washed in the blood, so to speak, until you've been forgiven by the sacrifice of Christ. So as it were, Jesus is saying, I am the altar. Now, of course, we would say the altar is Calvary. Where did Jesus die? Now, the, 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 the animals and the birds died on the brazen altar. But Jesus is the brazen altar, so it's very difficult to have a 
mixture of metaphors, but that's the way the Bible is. You have a mixture of metaphors. No one picture can, can uh, exhaust the truth of Christ. And so, he's the door. How can you say, well, he's the door, but he's also the altar, and he's also the labor. Well, all of these are pictures of the comprehensive nature of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. And so, that altar is a picture of Jesus. That altar was made of wood overlaid by brass. And there are many commentators that indicate the wood is a picture of His, of his humanity. And the brass is obviously a picture of the fact that He can withstand the fire of the wrath of God pictured in, the, in, in that fire. And so, we see that the Lord Jesus is... Not only the place of sacrifice, he's the sacrifice himself. I know it's a mixture of metaphors is difficult, perhaps, to 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 wrap our minds around. But here is the specific way of salvation: death by sacrifice, death by an innocent offering. And so, again, first to meet the eye, the first piece of furniture that was that was leading you to the Holy of Holies is the burnt offering, the burnt altar. No fellowship with God until you approach this altar. What would happen again to a worshiper if they went through the door and went around the altar to the laver and washed their hands in the laver? They would have been struck down as well. I don't. The Bible doesn't indicate anybody ever tried that. But if they did try it, they would perish. But yet there are millions that are doing it today. How how do you, how do you you ask them? How do you know your sins are forgiven? How are you, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I do good. They're walking around the altar. They're not going to Calvary. They're saying, "Why well, pray to God?" But the Bible says you can't pray to God except through Christ. And so there are people saying, "I pray to God without Jesus Christ." And the Bible says there's no other way. He's the door and He's the altar. You can't have fellowship with God until your sins are dealt with. We sang earlier, I lay my sins on Jesus. And you see, when the people brought their animal in the, in the courtyard, they were to lay their hands on the animal's head. It's a picture of transfer of their guilt, transfer of their sin to that animal, which is a picture of Christ. Now, obviously, no animal could take away our sins. But until God ordained for His Son to come and become a man and die on a cross for those thousands of years, He wanted us to see the picture. He wanted His people to see the wickedness of sin that, that innocent animals had to die. Can you imagine people saying, and they, no doubt hundreds of thousands of people said this, why does this animal have to die in my place? Why do we have to kill this spotless animal? Why do we have to kill this innocent a docile animal or bird. Think about taking a bird from the, from the peace and quiet of the trees and then wringing off its neck. What is that all about? God is saying that's, that's what sin is. Sin is wicked. It, causes, it, 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 it offends me. Sin will damn the soul. And so God is showing us the seriousness of sin, the seriousness of His wrath, when he had the animals and the birds slain and, 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 and 
flayed up and all their pieces and parts were laid on the altar. God is saying, I know your heart. I know your mind. Like He said before the flood, that every way of man was wicked in God's sight. And so, when you walked into that courtyard, you were met with smoke and fire and the smell of burning flesh. And you were met with the stench of blood and seeing blood around the altar and blood that was, that was put on the horns of the altar. You were met with your sin, as it were. You were met with the fact, I'm a sinner. And this is what would happen to me if that sacrifice did not take my place. If that wasn't a substitute in my place. See, the Lord wants us to see the seriousness of our sins. We underestimate the holiness of God. And we underestimate the sinfulness of sin. But God was teaching His people the seriousness of sin. The sinfulness of sin. The holiness of God by that altar. That altar is saying Christ died for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Remember that, that event when Abraham was told to sacrifice his son Isaac? He lays Isaac on the altar. Again, picture earlier of the brazen altar in the days of the tabernacle. But Abraham, remember, takes the knife. And he takes the knife. And perhaps we, we see there that he lifts it in the air. And he's ready to plunge it into the bosom of his own son. But God stops him before he slays Isaac. And God says to Abraham, He shows him that ram whose horns are caught in the bush, in the thicket. And Abraham offers the lamb instead of his son. But you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ was brought to Calvary, no one said, stop! God didn't stop the hands of the soldiers from from causing those spikes to be, to be hammered into the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus. God didn't stop people from torturing Jesus. Jesus was tortured. Jesus was crucified. Jesus suffered. Unlike Isaac, He wasn't spared. If God had spared His Son from dying, we would not have been spared. We would have perished righteously under God's wrath. But the Bible says God who spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. That's what that brazen altar says. Those animals weren't spared. They slit the throat of the animal and the blood poured out. And then they took the animal and they flayed it in pieces. Some of them were just burnt whole. Where I'm sure there had to be people, several people with ropes trying to haul that animal up on top of the altar and to see that, that strong bullock that was without blemish go up in flames and smoke. That was a picture of you and me if we die without Christ. People that would dare die without coming to Christ for salvation. What does Jesus say about the person who dares to die without salvation. Luke chapter 16. 
he, he died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Oh, friend, it's a serious thing. This altar is a picture of the wrath of God and the wickedness of sin and the condemnation of hell. This altar is Mount Calvary. Jesus was taken to Mount Calvary and the cross was His altar. The fire was God's wrath. Jesus was slain for you and me. How horrible Calvary was. How how they had perfected the torture of the crucifixion where the people could actually be crucified for days. They had to hasten the death of those two thieves because of the Sabbath that was approaching. But they didn't hasten the death of Jesus. Jesus said, it is finished. When He knew all the sins of all this people had been atoned for, Jesus is the one that gave up His Spirit. They did not take His life from Him. Just like He said, I lay down My life. No man can take it from Me. I lay it down and I take it up again. The cross was the altar. Christ was the altar. He's the place where sin was imputed. He's the place where sin is punished. Jesus is our sin offering. Jesus is our altar. Jesus is everything. He's the priest. He's the altar. He's the offering. Indeed, Jesus died a cruel death called the death of the cross in Philippians 2. He's the one that died for you and me. And that death was by sacrifice. In the Old Testament, God did not require human sacrifice. There were animals and birds. But the picture is that they're substitutes for sinners. You think of the Lord, how kind He was to the poor. They couldn't afford a a male or an animal. God allowed a bird to be taken as a substitute. Remember, Joseph and Mary were so poor, they offered birds. But the point is that there's an innocent one taking the place of guilty ones. What did those animals and birds do wrong? Nothing. They did absolutely nothing wrong. And what did Pilate say about Jesus? I find no fault in this man. He inspected, as it were, just like the priests and the people inspected their animals and birds to make sure there was no spot no fault. So Pilate, from different angles, and, and the soldiers, remember the one soldier said, truly this man was the Son of God, but they inspected him and they found no fault in Jesus. Just like Jesus Himself said, which of you convinces me of sin? Try all you may, but I am innocent. I am spotless. I am the perfect sacrifice for sinners. And Jesus took his took my place and died for me. There wasn't any coercion. The Father didn't force Jesus to do it. They agreed. Jesus wasn't hanging from the rafters of heaven. The Son of God was not hanging there when He was to come to earth and be born of the Virgin Mary. He wasn't saying, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to die. But you know, when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He showed He was a man. He is the Son of God, but when, when He was faced with having all the sins of His people debited to His account, can you fault Him for saying, 
If there be any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me. It was voluntary. It was substitutionary. Jesus, when He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, He was saying, Father, let them be spared. Punish me in their place. He allowed Himself to be arrested at Gethsemane. It's interesting that there was a man named Barabbas that was released. The word Barabbas means son of a father. But Jesus was the son of a father. One Barabbas was released. One Barabbas was taken. Jesus was Baraba taken, the son of a father. The Bible tells us he was God's only son. No wonder John, John knew that Jesus was the fulfillment of all those sacrifices when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus allowed Himself to be arrested. And He allowed Himself to be crucified. He could have called legions of angels to rescue Him. But if, he'd allow, if angels had rescued Jesus, you and I would be in hell today. And the, the altar pictures death by suffering. Again, you come to the altar the stench of blood and burning flesh, the sight of fire and black smoke, and the sight of the blood that was poured out around the altar and in the altar and on the horns of the altar. By the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, the Bible says. When Jesus cried, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? He was suffering the picture of that Altar, the condemnation of God. God turned away His face, poured out His wrath on Jesus. Jesus felt the fire of God's wrath as He lay upon the altar, as He was hanging from the altar of Calvary. When He said, I thirst. Oh, we think of the picture of that man in hell from Luke 16. He just wanted one drop of water. And the man still felt like he was a master when he told Abraham, send Lazarus. He was treating Lazarus like a slave, just like he had slaves when he lived. But he asks, he asks that Lazarus would just dip the tip of his finger in water to cool his tongue because he said, I am tormented in this flame. Jesus felt the wrath of God physically when He said, I thirst. As if He was saying, is there anyone that'll dip the tip of their finger in water and touch my tongue? But no, he wouldn't even take a dip of a tip of a finger in water. He wouldn't allow that man to, to give him that sedative. He refused to take the sedative. There was a little bit of mercy shown for man. But God showed no mercy upon the Lord Jesus Christ. God used many executioners to punish His Son in our place. But the hardest, the worst executioner was God Himself. He laid upon Him the sin of us all. Oh, the stroke of God's wrath. The suffering at Calvary. And it was because of our sins. For three lonely, 
dark hours, Jesus was hanging on Calvary. Those dark hours symbolized that our sins were now debited his account. They were laid upon Jesus. He suffered the wrath of God so that he might satisfy God's justice and take away our sins. He suffered the death of death, as it were the second death in our place, so that we would be saved. To think about the fact that you and I, if we know Christ, will not have to face the second death. Those are such ominous words. The sea gave up the dead which were in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And every man was judged according to his works, his own works. And the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But listen to the final words of Revelation 20. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Friend, that's not figurative. That's literal. Jesus was suffering the second death, the death of death in our place. How can you dare bypass the cross? and think that God will save you for your works and for your good deeds and wishful thinking. You insult a holy God by saying, I don't need the cross. I'll bypass the cross. I'll get to the labor, to the bath on my own. Oh, get to the cross. Come to the cross of Calvary. Come to Christ. Jesus said, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Finally, we see that this altar was the way to the bath. When you went to the altar and your sacrifice was, was inflamed and killed on your behalf, then the Bible says the priest would go to the labor picturing the fact that the shedding of the blood of the animal, the bird, would result in the cleansing of their sin so the bath was next. But to show the power of the cross, the power of the altar. You remember what was on the four corners of the altar? Horns. Horns. Horns are a picture of power. You think of the season now the, of, of, the, of the, the deer in the woods. and You see the, 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 the antlers, the horns, a symbol of power among the deer. And the horns were a symbol of power. The Lord is saying, as it were, there's power in the blood. There's power in the death of Christ. In other words, there's success. You get to the cross and there's power. And so if you've gone to the altar, burnt sacrifice. And by the way, the horns were on the four corners, speaking of the four corners of the earth. The Lord Jesus saves in the north and the south and the east and the west. He's a universal Savior. He saves people from every nation. He's the governor of the nations. The power of the cross is to save sinners. Jesus saves sinners by the power of His death, the power of His shed blood, the power of His sacrifice, the power of His suffering the wrath of God. And the conclusion is, we have an altar 
Not the altar that they had. That's, it's gone. It's done now. No more animal sacrifice. This is not an altar. This is a platform with one step. There's no altar here. Jesus is the altar. We're not bringing animal sacrifices and birds. No more shedding of blood. He shed His blood once for all. And when the Hebrew writer said, we have an altar, and he was saying, the people that continue to, to trust in their, sac- their sacrificial system and their pictures and their rites and their works righteousness, they have no right to eat from this altar. But he's saying Christians have a right to the altar of Christ. That's where they find their salvation and the forgiveness of sins. We have access to this altar, Christ, by faith in His shed blood, by faith in His life and His death. You trust in ceremonies, you insult God's grace. We don't trust in ceremonies. We trust in a Savior, in a dying, a rising, and an ascending Savior. The Bible says in verse 20 that Christ suffered outside the gate. It's interesting how the animals' bodies were taken outside the gate and burned. Jesus suffered outside the camp to show us that He was rejecting powerless religion just like He rejected the Pharisees. He wasn't killed inside Jerusalem. Jesus was killed outside the gates of Jerusalem. He was saying that vain religion is rejected by God. Those who are trusting in their vain religion and ceremonies are rejected. Jesus went outside the walls when He was crucified. And He tells us, you go outside vain religion. Don't don't trust in vain religion. Don't compromise with religion that trusts in works and ceremonies. Go outside the camp bearing Christ's reproach. He rejects crossless religion. And may we reject religion that bypasses the cross and trusts in works righteousness and any other Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. We have an altar. Christ is our altar. You find your salvation alone in Jesus Christ. Trust Him today. Lord, thank You for this picture. Oh, that we would conceive of the sinfulness of sin and the holiness of God, the sinfulness of our sins. Oh, Lord, how we underestimate Your glory. We underestimate the glories of heaven and the, and the, the glories of hell. Lord, You've opened a porter of hell to hear one crying out in his torment, just give me a, a drop of water. Oh Lord, I pray that all of us would, would see that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Lord, we pray that You would awaken souls to not dare to die without Christ, not dare to bypass the cross, Oh God, we thank Thee. There is cleansing in the blood. When we get to Calvary and believe on Christ, we're forgiven. And every day we can approach the bath, the labor, and be washed clean. 
and then be able to take Christ as the bread of life and the, the light of the world and our mediator to God in prayer. And yea, to, to God Himself, seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh Lord, give us more understanding. Open our understanding to understand even the pictures, the types of Christ. Lord, we rejoice that we learn something of Christ whenever we whenever we go to Your Word. So, Lord, guide us. May we exalt the name of Your Son and spread His fame. Please help us to get people to the cross, to point them to Calvary, to find Jesus as a dying and yet rising Savior. Please save sinners before it's too late. Save our loved ones, Lord. Save our siblings. Save our parents. Save our children and grandchildren. Have mercy upon them. Bless Your Word throughout the world today. Defeat the devil. Disappoint him, Lord. Undeceive sinners, we pray in Thy name. Amen.